Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Welcome to the Growing Your Financial Business, The Woman's Way podcast. I'm Robin Crane, and I was a financial advisor for over a decade. But before that, I was a singer-songwriter. And now, even as a mom of three with a teenager, toddler, and a baby, I run a seven-figure business helping women in financial services grow their businesses and make a bigger impact. In this podcast, I'll bring you financial advisors, industry influencers, and highly successful entrepreneurs to give you innovative strategies designed for women. So get ready to learn how to get in front of the right people, get more ideal clients, and be able to grow your ideal business so you can live your ideal life. Welcome to Growing Your Financial Business the Woman's Way. It's Robin Crane here with Michelle Seiler Tucker. Now, check this woman out. She is the bomb. It doesn't say that in your bio. I just took that. I, I actually extrap- extrapolated that from the bio here. Um, but this woman is amazing. Uh, she has a book called Exit Rich, which we're going to talk about today. She's the CEO of Seiler Tucker Incorporated, 20-year veteran in mergers and acquisitions. This is why we got to talk about you actually growing the business, selling the business, not just growing it, but the importance of making sure you can actually sell the business. Um, she's been featured in Inc. Magazine, Forbes, Entrepreneur Magazine, USA Magazine, uh, she's a regular radio and TV show. Uh, she does regular TV show appearances, Fox Business News, CNBC. Uh, there's there's so many things here. I don't even know what to focus on here. But this woman is amazing, and I'm excited to have you here. Anything I missed that you want to make sure they know about? Because I couldn't possibly get through your entire bio. There's so many good chunks. No, I think you did a good job. Just, you know, the fact that we're emergency, I'm a mergers and acquisitions master intermediary, senior business analyst, been in this industry a little over 20 years. I've personally sold over 500 companies. My firm altogether, we have sold over a thousand businesses in pretty much every vertical you can imagine. We don't just sell businesses, we specialize in buying, selling, fixing, growing. Whoa, that is a lot. Okay, so if you're <laughs> right now, so I'm not sure where you are in your in your financial business. If maybe you're just starting, or maybe you're 30, 40 years in, you're already thinking about selling. But I think one of the most amazing things about the business is that it's a recurring revenue model, and you have, I mean, how many businesses out there have that, right? And and to have that amazing um, type of model and be able to sell it is such a luxury. So tell tell us from your perspective, Michelle, just what's what do they need to prepare for, whether they're 30 years out or two years out, so they can sell it and find the most buyers and also sell it for the best best price? Yep. So I think, you know, I always go back to mindset. Mindset. You got to get your mind right. <laughs> and you, you got to. And when I say mindset, what I mean about that is most business owners think of their business as their baby. And. The problem is when you think about your business as your baby, you want to hold on to it, hold on to it, hold on to it, and you're not really planning for that exit. And 80%, Steve Forbes, who endorsed my book, Exit Rich, 
states that 80% of businesses that are on the market will not sell. That includes financial service businesses. 80% will not sell. That should be a big wake-up call for business owners because that means you have less than a 20% chance of success. So you really should look at your business as the most valuable asset it is, just like the financial portfolios that you help build for your clients. It is an asset (laughs) and you need to build that asset with the end in mind. Like Stephen Covey says, start with the end in mind. So always encourage all business owners, no matter what industry you're in, to plan their exit model. I call this a GPS exit model that we talk about in my book, Exit Rich. Number one, when you want to drive somewhere, Robin, what do you do? You pull out your phone, you go to Google Maps, and what's the first thing you plug in? You got the destination. I need that destination, baby. You got to plug in destination, right? That's number one. You got to have the destination. What happens if you don't have a destination? You ain't getting there. <laughs> you're not getting there or you're lost. You're going to drive around in circles. And that's what happens to most business owners. If you think about 80% of businesses never sell, it's because business owners don't have a destination. They don't plan to fail. They fail the plan. They're driving around in circles. They're driving up and down the financial hills to end up nowhere. So you need to figure out your destination. What is your desired sales price. What do you want to sell your business for? Pick a number. Let's say you want to sell it for $5 million. Boom. There's a number. What's the second step in a GPS exit model? What is your know G- where you are? It's got to know where you are. It's got to know where you're starting. I am from. getting super points right now, Michelle. I am nailing this. And we did not practice this, by the way. I you haven't, are winning. I haven't, I haven't read your book yet, but I'm going to. You're all winning. So you got to know where you're starting from. What is your current valuation? And that's even with financial service businesses. So I don't know if you know this, Robin, but most business owners never, ever get their business evaluated until they think about selling. And most business owners don't think about selling until a catastrophic event occurs. Internal or external. Internal could be health issues, partners disputes, divorce, death. External is this pandemic. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to sell during a catastrophe. You want to sell when your business is up, when your business is in its prime. Businesses have life cycles just like humans do. Mm-hmm. So you need to get a business evaluation. And I always encourage my clients to get an annual business valuation checkup because there are events that increase valuations there are events that decrease valuations. And that's also about supply and demand. So what if you're you're not anywhere near selling, but you're like, I know someday I want to sell. Like, would you still do evaluation every year? And just to say, like, here's where I'm at. I, I swear. Absolutely. It's yeah. a thermostat. It's a temperature. You need to know where you are. Just kind of like, you know, financial advisors, what do they do with their clients? My My financial advisor wants to check in with me at least once a year. He would like to check in with me every quarter, but I won't allow it. But he wants to sit down, check in with me, meet with me every year to make sure that I'm on track for our goals, for our destination that I've planned out. So you need, you should still do that every single year to make sure that you're getting close to that destination, to that desired sales price. And you don't go to a CPA for that financial evaluation checkup. Now I love CPAs. Don't get me wrong. My co-author Sharon Lecter is a CPA, but they don't really specialize in synergies. So you want to go to M&A expert that really specializes in valuating synergies and knowing you know, what buyers will pay higher multiples for certain businesses. So let's say you want to sell for 5 million and you're currently worth a million. And the next step is what is your time frame? Let's say you want to do this in 10 years. Sounds realistic, right? You want to sell for 5 million, 
You want a million, want to do this in 10 years. The next big step is identifying who your buyers are going to be. And there's five different types of buyers. The reason why I say buyers and not buyer, because a lot of times clients will come to me and say, Michelle, I want you to represent me. I already have the buyer. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to represent you with one buyer without putting the business on the market because the likelihood that that buyer is going to fall apart is pretty great. And they're going to fall apart for a, new, a multitude of reasons during due diligence. Mm -hmm. So we want buyers. Plus, we can also get a higher price. Yes, there's industry standards for the financial service industry, but guess what? There are buyers, and if there's more buyers than there is for supply, there's more buyers to buy financial service businesses than there are financial services businesses for sale, then we can create a bidding war and get a higher multiple. Does that make sense? Yeah. I want to jump in about this because I didn't tell you this before we started recording and I actually never tell people this. And, and I was thinking just now in my head uh, as I was like debating whether I should say anything is like, oh, if I'm a little scared to say something, I should definitely say it. That's kind of my, my mantra, even though um, it scares me. And I was in the industry. So I started in late 2006. I got licensed. So really my first year was 2007. And um, I had a very unusual financial business where I did a lot of money coaching on the side, which which was kind of that that gave me no valuation whatsoever in it. But then the way most most financial advisors are selling their business is going to be based on obviously the recurring revenue, especially if they're assets under management, and then some of the product revenue if there's anything recurring there. And in what was, I think it was 2015, I decided I was going to leave the industry. And it took me a long time to decide to do that because I was doing money coaching and then it morphed into business coaching. And I'm like, I was trying to do both for like five years. I'm like, this isn't working. And so I actually didn't focus much on growing my financial business. And I'm, the reason I'm scared to say that is because now I help people grow their financial business. I'm like, uh oh, they're going to know the truth now that I didn't have a hundred million under management. But I think I only had somewhere around 10 million under management, which means it might've been even seven and all of that wasn't even 1%. So, um, I, but this is, this is why I'm bringing this up, Michelle, is that I sold the business, like still as an independent advisor, even only, so what was that? Like that was eight years in, maybe it was nine. Um, I ended up selling my business and it wasn't that successful. And I still made money and I was paid like, you know, it was, it wasn't that much, but I think I made over a hundred grand over five years. And like, that was something amazing that I never even thought of getting into the business that I would ever sell it. But then you have this asset and I did nothing. None of the things you're telling me to do zero zilch. And I'm thinking back going, man, because at first I was like, why would anyone start valuing their company so early? And like, think about this so early when they're just trying to make enough money. I was just trying to make enough money to survive. I was just trying to get to, to six figures, not to seven. You know, now I have a seven figure company. I probably couldn't even sell it for a hundred grand because I am the company. Whereas back then, even though I didn't have much revenue, even much assets, I was able to, even over the course of five years, make a hundred grand. So I think this is really key to think about like very, very early on. And, and when you just said buyers, I looked at like one buyer that easiest thing I could possibly do within my company because it was easy and I didn't plan. So I want to make sure my clients were taken care of it. It was just like, let me introduce you to this guy. He's going to be awesome. And, and he, I, I looked at a few other advisors, but I really didn't, I didn't do it right. I did everything wrong. And which is why so much money was left on the table. And also I probably didn't, you know, serve people at the highest level as well. Hmm. So, <laughs> so what, give us just to reveal all these things you might not want to know about me. Um, so what, what could someone like me or even someone, like I said, whether they're in the in business five years or 30 years. So one, they need to know where do they want to go destination? 
Where are you? And I think even advisors who are money people who are looking at someone else's finances all the time and helping them reach their goals, surprisingly don't look at their own revenue very often and their own goals and they're not even tracking their money. And I'm not saying this to be me and I'm saying it because I tell my clients to do this and they're, it's like eye-opening to them like because we are never our best advisors. Um, so they know where, what they want, where they want to be. They know where they start. Um, and then they need to get a, a, an annual valuation. Now they got to d- identify the buyers. So what's next? So they, I, well, how, let's talk about the, Yeah. How do they, how do they identify the buyers? Well, let's talk about the buyers because there's five types of buyers. Yeah, let's do that. So let's educate them on who are the five types first and foremost. Let's totally do that, Michelle. How did I miss that? Let's do it. <laughs> so 90% of buyers are first-time buyers. Now, usually first-time buyers can't buy a $10 million company, right? So we're going to work on our $10 million scenario and our GPS exit model. However, in financial services, they can. They can. I, I have a friend of mine that's doing it. I have a friend of mine that left her, left her professional career, is buying a financial service practice, is paying him you know, out of the revenues, of the business is studying under him and getting licensed. So first-time buyers are 90%. So if you have somebody who uh, who is a financial advisor in a, in a, in a bigger um, company like Morgan Stanley or name some big companies for me, Robin. Merrill Lynch. Merrill Lynch, yeah. So if you have somebody in one of these companies and they're an advisor, but they want to own their own business, right? And they could be a buyer and they've never owned a business before. Um, so a first-time buyer is, is the first type. Turnaround specialist. So first-time buyers could buy your business. Turnaround specialists, no. <laughs> they buy distressed assets and they're not going to go through the licensing procedures. Um, PEGs, private equity groups. Now, there are PEGs that are in the financial service business. business. So PEGs could also buy your business, but they're going to have certain criteria of where your gross revenues need to be. In most industries, it's EBITDA as well, but in financial services, it's mostly about gross revenues, right? And then you have, so those private equity groups. Then we have strategics and um, sophisticated, I'm sorry, strategic and competitors, maybe somebody who's already in the financial service business, owns a company, wants wants to acquire more financial service practices. Make sense? And then the last type of buyer is serial entrepreneurs. That's probably not going to be your buyer. They typically are storm chasers. They chase EBITDA and they look for EBITDA of over a million bucks. So those and are your five types of what buyers. EBITDA means, because I know that's thrown around a lot, but not everybody knows that earnings before. What is- earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. Yeah. Just make so sure I would say for financial- I can remember that all, everything it stands for. I would say for financial service businesses, the majority of them are going to sell to either a first-time buyer, a strategic, or a competitor. Um, if they're really big, then maybe a private equity group. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. Because I think that happens a lot. Like within the industry, it happens a lot that people are buying within the company mm-hmm. and they want to acquire more companies, especially if they're working within that that group or or within that region. It's right. very common to just that's kind of what I did. It was like what was what was convenient and easy and who did I think is going to take the best care of my clients? But I definitely didn't work, you know, we didn't transition for three years trying to make sure that, you know, this person knew all my clients or anything like that. Okay, awesome. So five types of buyers. So now if they identify, would they identify 
like these are first time buyers and just kind of like industry wise, or you're saying like they're actually identifying specific buyers in this step? Um, I'm saying really identify the types of buyers types, first, okay. right? You're not really going to go and start identifying exactly who that buyer, who that first time buyer is going to be or who that, you know, you can start looking at your competitors, right? You can start looking at some strategics and kind of identifying, oh, that that would be a good acquirer. That would be someone good. So you can kind of narrow it down in a competitive um, buyers, strategic buyers. As far as first time buyers, you're not really going to know who that is until you get closer. But competitive buyers, you could be looking at them this whole time and kind of determining, kind of determining who's a good fit, who's not. Okay, awesome. That's yeah. great. So what's next? So in a GPS exit model, you know, and, and then the, the next thing is, what do your revenues need to be? You know, what do you have to have under management? What do you have to have under product? If you're really trying to get that high price, you know, where do your numbers need to be from a management, from a product side? So you need to know your numbers. Also, you need to know what what characteristics, what what synergies are these buyers looking for? What will make them pay more money? Maybe you're a financial advisor and you have you have a proprietary software system that helps analyze, helps clients analyze exactly where they are, where they want to go, et cetera. Maybe you have something unique. Maybe you got a patent on something. I mean, there's lots of financial advisors out there that have unique, you know, systems and formulas and apps and um, software and things of that nature that drive value. Awesome. So you want to look at what are these buyers looking for? What synergies are they looking for? And then you basically build your business to meet their specific criteria. And then the last step in this model is to know your why. Why do you want to sell your business for 5 million, 10 million, 15, 20, whatever the number happens to be? Because Look, business is business is difficult. Business is hard. You got to have a powerful why. You got to have a, a why to keep you hungry, to keep you in the game, to keep you strong, you know, to keep you weathering all these different financial storms and pandemics that come on why. So you need a powerful why. And, you know, I always say that it's kind of like when you go into business, right? Financial services is a widget. This is your widget. This is your product. Financial service industry, that's your widget. These are your, your ideal target clients, Right. Mm-hmm. Your business is your widget. <laughs> your business is your widget. This is your ideal target buyers that we just talked about. Build your widget, build your business to meet their specific buying criteria. Make sense? Yeah. Awesome. I, I think most most advisors, and, and you can correct me in the comments if I'm wrong, those of you listening, but um, are more focused. And this is probably all business owners, right? More focused on the growth. Like so many people are disillusioned by like, okay, if I just grow my business, like right now, even for, for myself, like I'm like, okay, I'm in growth mode. I'm very much in growth mode. And I have it a little bit at the back of my mind, like someday I want to sell the business, but I almost have foregone that because I'm like, well, let, let me just make a lot of money and stash a lot of money. Let me make a lot of money and stash a lot of money because I am the business. Right. And I, I, I'm creating systems, I'm creating team and I'm creating all these things, but even like letting go, like right now we have, you know, a coach that's running one of my programs and it was like really hard for me to let go. Like you said, it's my baby, but it's also, we have this control. Like we think like we're the best at it and how is anyone else going to take over? So how do you, like, that's a bit, you said the number one thing at the beginning, you said is mindset. So like, how do we start to think in that different way and how much attention do we put towards that? Because like, I'm like, okay, my goal is $2 million this year. Like, okay, now I have this goal and, and I'm doing everything I can to hit that goal, but I'm doing almost nothing to create the systems and to create a business that's actually could one day be sellable. 
So what attention do you put in and how do you do that? Because it's kind of like, if I, if I make enough money, I can stash that money away. I'm not relying on selling the business, like maybe an advisor would, or maybe someone else, but it's stupid to like, I'm admittedly saying like, it's stupid that I'm not really thinking in that capacity or I'm, or I'm saying, oh, I can do that later. I can do that later. Cause I'm not near that now as if I can, can tell the future. Right. What, what advice do you have of someone so stupid like me? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> someone like <laughs> me that's like, that's, that's thinking of, I'm very much in the now, right. Very much in the now. So it's not one or the other, right? It's not growing and stashing money for the side. It's doing everything really simultaneously. <laughs> yeah. And it's really building that infrastructure because you can grow and you can bring money in. But if you don't have that solid foundation, that infrastructure in place, then your business could crash. Your business could fall apart around you. Right. With or without selling it. <laughs> With or without selling it. I mean, it happens every day, you know? Uh, look, it used to be when I wrote my very first book, Sell Your Business for More Than It's Worth, I did the research in 2013 and learned that, that 90% of all startups would fail within the first one to five years. When I did the research for Exit Rich, the exact same research, I learned that the business landscape has flip-flopped. If now it's only 30% of startups are at risk, but what's really at risk are existing businesses. So out of 27.6 wow. million companies, those businesses that have been in business for 10 years or longer, 70% of those businesses will go out of business. That 70%. Interesting. That's Now awesome. you hear about the big public companies all the time in the media, because the media talks about Toys R Us, right. a business 75 years goes out of business. Toys R Us, Kmart, Steinmart, Pier 1. I love Pier yeah. 1. You know, all these um, great businesses. GNC is closing down on 100 locations. Godiva is closing wow. down on 1,500 locations. Disney stores are closing. But they don't tell you about the private businesses. These private business owners are exiting poor. They're selling for pennies on a dollar, closing their companies, or even worse, filing bankruptcy. Wow. So you got to build that solid infrastructure, no matter what industry you're in, period. <laughs> got to have that infrastructure. So, you know, build your business to run on the six Ps. We talk about the six Ps in my book, Exit Rich. The six Ps. Yeah. So six this P's. is this. You got to get the six P's because I don't even know the six P's. She's not even going to give the six P's unless you get the book. So make sure you get the book. Let's tell them how to get the book because we, we only have a few minutes. I don't, I don't want to, unless you okay. want to teach it in, in less than five minutes, but otherwise we can really. I can tell you them. what they are, but I can't teach it in less than five minutes. Let's tell me what they are because I am mm -hmm. so curious and I, I don't know. So this is yet, the so infrastructure. This is the foundation of your business. Okay. One of the number one reasons that businesses fail is because they haven't built a solid infrastructure. So the six P's, number one is people. You don't build a business, you build people and people build a business. So people, you gotta have people in your company. You gotta have the teams. Number two is product. And ask yourself, is your product, your service, your industry on the way up or on the way out? There's many industries that are dying. Some may never come back, okay? Number three is processes. Those are the systems you're talking about, Robin. You got to make sure you have processes, design your processes around the customer experience. Make sure you get the data out of your head, have those policy and procedure manuals, have those handbooks, have everything that you need to be able to sustain and scale your company. Number four is proprietary. Now, proprietary is the highest multiple driver of all other P's. Proprietary are your proprietary assets, your synergies. You know, there's six pillars to proprietary. Number one is branding. The more well-branded you are, we can sell your business. Trademarks, but you need federal trademarks, not, not state trademarks. Patents, 
anything that you have unique to your industry, if you're doing money training, like Robin said she was doing, you know, make sure, make sure that's IP, that's intellectual property, that's stuff that will drive value to your business. And that could, you know, even perhaps be in a separate corporation from your financial service practice. And, um, and you could sell that company too, but you can maybe get a higher multiple off the EBITDA of that business. And you, if you, you know, I knew a financial planner that had, oh my God, he was doing webinars and training, had books and had all this stuff. That's a whole separate company from his financial service businesses. And he was doing about 2 million in EBITDA. His business is going to sell for about five or up. Okay. So trademarks, patents, contracts, you know, um, I know financial service industry is extremely regulated, but if you have a separate company like you did, Robin, and I don't know if you, I guess you had a separate company with your money training, you want contracts in that company, client contracts with a reoccurring subscription model, because that gets a higher multitude, multiple than companies without. And you want to make sure you get a transferability clause in those contracts saying this contract is transferable upon a new entity. All right. And then um, databases are big. You know, you got to look, I know financial services have databases, right? You, you guys are so heavily regulated. So if you have any, any hustle, I call it side hustle, <laughs> have that in a separate corporation that's not going to be regulated, right? Yeah, they, we call that outside business activities, but you can have right. OBAs and, and do that. And I think so many advisors kind of go with the the standard, the flow, like what is typical. But if you mm -hmm. start to create that stuff, you can just get things approved depending on the right. company, but as an outside business activity and have a separate entity. Absolutely. So the fifth one is Patreons. That's your customer data. That's your customer base. Most businesses operate 80-20 rule where 80% of their revenue comes from 20% are clients. You want to make sure that all most of your revenue is not tied up in a few clients. You want customer diversification, not customer concentration. And the very last B is profits. And the reason I put profits last is because lack of profits is never the problem. It's always a symptom of not operating on one of the other five Ps. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, I, I, I still want to read the book and I will read the book, but well, I like yeah, because that's only six chapters. It's a 25 yeah. chapter book. There's so oh much to oh discuss God, here. Get started. <laughs> so let me tell <laughs> everybody where they can get the Incredible. book. Yeah? Please. That, that was my next question. You, you got it. All right. So if you're outside the United States, I encourage you to go to Amazon because of shipping costs. Inside the United States, I encourage you to go to exitrichbook.com. For $24.79 plus shipping costs, we'll email you to digital download, ship the hardcover to your doorstep. In addition to that, we'll give you a lifetime membership into the Exit Rich Book Club. This has video content, me doing training, really deep dive training, these different strategies and techniques I've been training, teaching for the last 20 years to my clients, plus documents, documents to operate your business and sell your business, sample employee handbooks, org charts, policy and procedure manuals, sample letter of intents, purchase agreements, due diligence checklists, closing documents. All of these documents are there for your review and, and download. And you probably know how expensive attorneys are. <laughs> if you try to recreate all these documents, it will cost you over $50,000 to do so. I know because I paid for it. And then we're also giving you a free membership into Club CEOs. And Club CEOs is an entrepreneurship mastermind where we do hot seats, Q&As, and really help business owners build that sustainable, scalable business. So they do have a sellable asset when they're ready. ExitRichBook.com and my main website is SiloTucker.com.
Okay. I want to make sure they got that. Cause you're, you're quick. You're like, I, they cannot be listening to you on, on two times speed right now, which I usually listen <laughs> on, to on podcasts. So exitrich.com. That's no, exitrichbook.com. Oh, see, I haven't missed it. This is why we have to have this conversation. Okay. Exitrichbook.com. I'm sure it probably would come up somehow, but that's really important. Exitrichbook.com. You can get the book for $24.99 plus shipping handed to, to your doorstep. And in addition to that, there's a ton of bonuses including documents, including what else did you say? There's so much stuff I could documents, video training, and video training. also a free membership in the club CEOs. I mean, ridiculous. And then it looks, sounds like there's another option to get more coaching and more help as well. So, so yep. check it out, exitrichbook.com. And thank you so much to Michelle Seiler Tucker for joining me and giving me such, uh, all of us such valuable insight about how to exit rich. Thanks everybody. We'll see you on the next growing your financial business, the woman's way. Bye. Thank you. Are you getting all the quality prospects on your calendar that you'd like? If not, join us in the Appointment Generator Challenge. Go to femalefinancialadvisors.com and register for free. We guarantee you'll get five quality appointments in five days if you follow this system. And you can do it from online. You don't even have to pick up the phone. Whether you're just starting, whether you've been in the industry three to five years, or even 30 years, this challenge will be perfect for you. Check it out, femalefinancialadvisors.com and register for absolutely free. Can't wait to see you there. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.